Greetings, colleagues. Welcome back to Four Legal English Podcast, your trusted resource for mastering the language of international law. Are you ready to explore a world where global business disputes are resolved swiftly and fairly? In this episode, we unveil the power of international arbitration, a mechanism that speaks the language of cross-border commerce. Join us to demystify the complex process, dissect its advantages and drawbacks, and gain insights from real-life case studies. By the end, you'll be equipped to navigate the intricacies of international arbitration, strengthening your role as a global legal professional. Stay tuned and embrace your journey to legal English mastery. Solving global business disputes. International arbitration unveiled. The Four Legal English Podcast is now in session. Welcome to the Four Legal English Podcast. This is the show for lawyers, law students, and other professionals from all over the world who want to improve both their legal English and legal knowledge. In this podcast, we discuss different legal topics, such as law in the news, law in practice, legal writing, legal movies, and other issues. This podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, consult an attorney. You can check out our blog articles, available courses, and the show notes for this episode on our website. That's four is in the number four, legalenglish, no spaces or dashes, dot com. Fourlegalenglish.com. I'm Timothy Barrett, your host. I'm a former practicing attorney from the United States, more recently a law professor in Tbilisi, Georgia, and currently an author and podcast host, among other things. Welcome back to the Four Legal English Podcast. I'm your host, Timothy Barrett. I'm thrilled to be your guide as we embark on an exciting journey through the fascinating world of international arbitration. Now, we know that term international arbitration might sound a bit complex, but rest assured, we'll break it down step by step. What is international arbitration? Simply put, it's a method for resolving disputes that arise between parties engaged in international business. Instead of taking your grievances to a local court, international arbitration offers a unique path. Arbitration is classified as Alternative Dispute Resolution, or ADR. Alternative meaning as alternative to litigation. In other words, instead of going to litigation, going to regular courts, you go to arbitration. And we're going to talk about international arbitration. International arbitration isn't a new concept. It's been around for centuries, evolving to meet the needs of an increasingly interconnected world. The principles and practices of arbitration we'll discuss today have a rich history, going back to the ancient civilizations and maritime trade. Why is it so significant? International arbitration isn't just about settling disputes. It's about ensuring a level playing field in the global marketplace. It provides businesses with a fair, neutral, and confidential forum to resolve their conflicts, fostering trust and enabling international trade to flourish. This introduction sets the stage for our journey into the intricacies of international arbitration. In the following sections, we'll delve deeper, exploring the various aspects, rules, and procedures that make the system so effective. So stay with us as we unravel the mysteries of this dispute resolution mechanism. Legal Framework 
In this section, we'll dive deeper into the world of international arbitration by exploring the essential legal framework that underpins it. In the world of international arbitration, the foundation is built upon something called arbitration agreements. These are like the rules of the game. When two parties agree to engage in international business together, they can include an arbitration agreement in their contract. This agreement outlines the terms and conditions of arbitration, such as the choice of arbitration institutions, the place of arbitration, and the rules that will govern the process. This is crucial because it's the roadmap for resolving any disputes that may arise during the business relationship. Now, when it comes to international arbitration, we can't rely just on a single country's laws. After all, we're dealing with cross-border cases. That's where international arbitration laws and conventions come into play. These are like the universal rules that ensure consistency and fairness, and of course, predictability. The New York Convention is a pivotal international treaty that promotes the enforcement of arbitration agreements and arbitral awards across countries. It's like the referee's whistle, ensuring the arbitration decisions are binding and recognized globally. These laws and conventions serve as the backbone of international arbitration, providing the structure and legal support needed to make it all work seamlessly in a global context. Understanding the legal framework in international arbitration is like having a trustworthy compass guiding you through the maze of cross-border business disputes. And trust me, it's a fascinating world to explore. Arbitration Process In this section, we'll walk you through the arbitration process. Think of this as the guidebook, your step-by-step manual to understanding how international arbitration works. So what is the process and how does it unfold? International arbitration has several key stages that we need to explore. These stages are the building blocks of resolving global business disputes. Initiation. It all starts with a dispute between two parties, often from different countries. When one party feels that their rights have been violated, they decide to bring this issue to the table through arbitration. It's like saying, hey, we have a problem and we want to resolve it. This is where the arbitration process kicks off. Tribunal formation. After initiating the process, the next step is to form the tribunal. Think of the tribunal as the judges in the case. In international arbitration, the tribunal usually consists of a panel of independent arbitrators who are experts in the subject matter of the dispute. They're like the referees who will examine the dispute and make the final call. Discovery. This is a vital stage in the process. It's where each party provides evidence to support their claims or defenses. This stage helps to ensure that both sides have a fair chance to represent their arguments. During this process, each side may have an obligation to provide some material, some of their evidence, to the opposing side. Hearings. In this phase, parties present their cases to the tribunal. It's similar to a courtroom trial, but usually less formal. Each side explains their position, calls witnesses, and provides evidence to support their claims. It's a bit like telling your side of the story to the judges. Awards. This is the climax of the arbitration process. The tribunal evaluates all the information presented by both parties and delivers a final decision or award. Of course, if the plaintiff failed to prove their case, there may be no financial award awarded. Now, it's important to remember that international arbitration is different from litigation, from going to court. In arbitration, the process is usually more flexible and private compared to traditional litigation. Parties have more say in how things work, making it a tailored and efficient way to resolve global business disputes. So there you have it, an overview of the arbitration process. 
Remember, understanding this process is like having the key to unlock the potential of international arbitration. It's a fascinating journey that's essential for anyone involved in cross-border business. Arbitration Clauses In this section, we dive into a crucial aspect of international arbitration, arbitration clauses. So what exactly are arbitration clauses? When parties engage in international business agreements, they often include these clauses in their contracts. It's a clause or section in the contract. Essentially, these clauses state that if a dispute arises, the parties agree to resolve it through arbitration instead of going to court. Having a well-drafted arbitration clause is like having a solid game plan. It sets the rules and procedures for resolving potential disputes, making the process smoother and more efficient. In a way, it's like having a roadmap that guides you to your destination. Now, some things have to be included in the arbitration clause that don't have to be included if you're just going to litigation. Because if you're going to the court, you don't have to specify how do we choose a judge or which court do we go to or what are the rules because there are statutes for that. You know, each country has statutes about how the courts are run, how they're operated, what their subject matter jurisdiction is, etc. But if you're choosing alternative dispute resolution, you're choosing to go to arbitration instead of litigation, then you have to choose what rules will apply, you know, what arbitration rules, how will the tribunal be, be chosen, how will it be selected, and that sort of thing. There are many standard or model arbitration clauses that are offered by a lot of the arbitration institutes. So it's probably a good idea not to just create your own, but like any good lawyer, look at how others have been drafted and adopt those for your own purposes. Now, here are some tips for the clauses. First, keep it clear and simple. Avoid using overly complex language or legal jargon. Second, be specific. Define the scope of the disputes that will be subject to arbitration. Is it all the disputes or just those related to a specific part of the contract? Clarity is key. Third, consider the choice of law. In other words, think about which country's law will govern the arbitration process. This choice can impact the outcome, so select wisely. When it comes to choosing the right arbitration institution, think of it like picking the referee for the game. These institutions, like the International Chamber of Commerce, ICC, or the American Arbitration Association, provide the rules and structure for the arbitration process. Each has its own procedures and costs, so it's essential to select the one that best suits your needs. Understanding these concepts and drafting effective arbitration clauses is like mastering the rules of the game. It's about ensuring that everyone is on the same page and disputes can be resolved efficiently. Remember, when you're drafting the contract, it's easy to get people to agree or to modify or get them to sign off on whatever the clause is. But after the fact, after the contract has been signed, and then there's a dispute, it's going to be more, much more difficult for them to agree. No, no, no. You need to get all that worked out before the dispute arises. You know, When you're forming the initial contract, you want all the terms of the arbitration clause agreed to. So keep it clear, specific, and consider the choice of law in arbitration institution. These clauses set the stage for a successful arbitration process. Advantages and drawbacks of international arbitration. Just like any dispute resolution method, it comes with its pros and cons. It's essential for lawyers to understand these. So let's begin with the advantages. First and foremost, international arbitration is often chosen for its neutrality. 
It offers a level playing field for parties from different countries. Think of it as a referee from a neutral nation officiating a game. This impartiality helps ensure fairness in resolving disputes. Another key advantage is flexibility. Unlike court proceedings, arbitration allows parties to tailor the process to their specific needs. They can choose the rules, language, and location, making it more adaptable to international cases. This flexibility is akin to customizing the rules of a game to suit the players. Moreover, arbitration decisions are typically final and binding. Once the arbitrator makes a ruling, it's like the final score in a game. There's no going back. This finality can be advantageous as it provides closure to disputes. However, like any game, there are some challenges or drawbacks to international arbitration. One of the main criticisms is the cost. Arbitration can sometimes be more expensive than court proceedings, with parties bearing fees for arbitrators, institutions, and legal representation. One of the initial reasons for arbitration was to keep costs down, but they have been rising significantly. Another challenge is the perceived lack of transparency. Unlike court cases, arbitration proceedings are typically private. This can be compared to a closed-door game with limited public access. This can be compared to a closed-door hearing with limited public access. Some argue that this secrecy can lead to a lack of accountability. Of course, if you want to keep your business secrets secret, then this is an advantage of arbitration. You know, all the dirty laundry that comes out is not going to be out in the public. It'll just be between the two parties, the legal representation and the arbitrators. Not a matter of public record. Additionally, enforcing arbitration awards across different countries can be complex. It's like trying to play a game with different sets of rules in various locations. Enforcement depends on international agreements and local laws, making the process unpredictable at times. So in the game of international arbitration, you have to weigh the advantages of neutrality, flexibility, and finality against the drawbacks of cost, transparency, and enforcement challenges. Global lawyers should be well-versed in these aspects to guide their clients effectively. Hello, listeners. I have some exciting news for you. There's a brand new book on the block, and it's here to transform your writing skills. Introducing Four Business English Writing Journal, 365 Daily Prompts for Global Professionals, written by myself, Timothy Barrett. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting your journey, this journal is your daily companion on the path to becoming a better writer. It's hot off the press and available on Amazon now. Why should you check it out? Well, imagine crafting persuasive emails, reports, and presentations with confidence. This book is your ticket to career advancement, global communication, and lasting transformation. Ready to become a better writer? Head over to Amazon and search for Four Business English Writing Journal. And for more info, tips, and resources, visit the website, either forlegalenglish.com or forbusiness-english.com. And you can check out the books right there. Don't miss out on this opportunity to supercharge your writing skills. Thanks for tuning in and happy writing. Choosing the seat of arbitration. In this section, we'll explore a crucial aspect of international arbitration, choosing the seat of arbitration. Imagining it as selecting the playing field for your game. The seat is like the home ground, and it significantly impacts the arbitration process. 
Why is it so important? Think of it as the jurisdiction that governs the arbitration. It sets the ground rules for the entire process. The chosen seat's legal framework influences various aspects, such as the enforceability of awards, procedural rules, and the appointment of arbitrators. Now let's talk about a few of the factors that global lawyers should consider when selecting the seat. Legal framework. Consider the legal system of the seat. Some jurisdictions may have specific arbitration laws and well-established precedents, making the arbitration process smoother. Enforceability. Assess how arbitration awards are enforced in the chosen seat. For international cases, it's vital for the final award can be enforced across different countries. It's vital that the final award can be enforced across different countries. And you definitely want to consider where will you eventually try to enforce this award? Where's the home country of the opposing party? Or where do they have assets that you're going to try to get? Neutrality. Neutrality is vital. Choosing a neutral seat can help ensure a fair game to all parties. Procedural rules. Different jurisdictions may have varying arbitration rules and procedures. It's important to select a seat with rules that align with the party's preferences and requirements. For global lawyers working on cross-border cases, the choice of seat can have several implications. First, it's essential to have a good understanding of the legal language and processes of the chosen jurisdiction. This means knowing the rules of the game in that location. Second, the seat can also affect the costs and duration of the arbitration. Different jurisdictions have varying fee structures and timetables for arbitration proceedings, which can impact your client's expenses and the time it takes to resolve the dispute. Lastly, the seat's legal framework can have an impact on enforceability of the final award. ESL lawyers should ensure that the chosen seat allows for effective enforcement across relevant jurisdictions. In essence, selecting the right seat of arbitration is like picking the right home ground for your game. It's a strategic choice that can significantly influence the entire process. You need to be well-informed about the options and consider the implications for your clients. Role of the Arbitrator Let's delve into a crucial aspect of international arbitration, the role of the arbitrator. Just like a referee in a game or a judge in a courtroom, an arbitrator plays a central role in resolving disputes through arbitration. First, let's consider the arbitrator's responsibilities. Think of them as the person in charge of making sure the game is played fairly. Arbitrators are like judges who make decisions based on the evidence and arguments presented by both sides. Depending on the arbitration clause, there could be one or more arbitrators. Usually there's three, but it could be five or some other number. And of course, it's the parties that pay for the arbitrators. So having three or five may sound good, but having three or even five may sound good, but that's going to affect the cost of the arbitration process. The arbitrators are responsible for managing the arbitration proceedings, listening to the parties, and ultimately issuing an award. An award in arbitration is similar to the judgment in a court case. It's the final decision that determines the outcome of the dispute. And remember, in arbitration, it's much more difficult to appeal. The award is usually final. Now let's discuss how global lawyers can ensure that arbitrators remain impartial and unbiased. This is a vital aspect of arbitration, or litigation for that matter, as parties expect a neutral or level playing field. Challenging arbitrators is a mechanism that allows parties to raise concerns about an arbitrator's impartiality or independence. 
It's like questioning whether a referee in a game is biased towards one team. Lawyers should be aware of the procedures for challenging arbitrators to maintain a fair arbitration process. Additionally, when selecting arbitrators, language considerations are crucial. Since our audience comprises ESL lawyers and law students, it's essential to ensure effective communication during the proceedings. Selecting arbitrators who are comfortable with legal English and are familiar with the unique aspects of cross-border cases can make a significant difference. Remember, the arbitrator's role is pivotal in international arbitration. They are like referees who ensure fair play in the game. Lawyers should be familiar with the responsibilities of arbitrators, know how to challenge them when necessary, and consider language proficiency when selecting the right arbitrator for the case. Additionally, if the subject matter is very detailed or intricate or unique, then you definitely want to consider having an arbitrator with experience in that specific field or subfield. Enforcing arbitral awards. Let's explore a crucial aspect of arbitration, enforcing the arbitral awards. What does it matter if you win in the end if you can't get the money or the award is worthless? So what do we mean by enforcing an arbitral award? This is the process of turning the arbitrator's decision into a legally binding judgment. In the world of cross-border business disputes, this is a significant step. Global lawyers need to understand how to take a favorable arbitration award and turn it into a tangible win for their clients. The New York Convention plays a vital role here. This international treaty makes arbitral awards enforceable in over 160 countries. Understanding how this convention works is crucial for arbitration lawyers working on cases that span multiple jurisdictions. Lawyers need to be familiar with the requirements of this before the arbitration award is awarded. At that point, it might be a little... The requirements for this should be considered not when the arbitration award is awarded, but long before that. Because at that point, it might be too late. If there's something defective about the award, it may be difficult to remedy it after the fact. So this is something that should be considered really when the arbitration clause is drafted. And certainly when the arbitration process begins, you want to make sure that there's a clear path for an enforceable award. Lexicon. Here are some words from today's episode that might be advanced or a little, little tricky to understand. For more information about these words, go to the show notes, forlegalenglish.com slash podcast, and look for today's episode. Arbitral awards. Cross-border. Enforce. Framework. Govern. Impartiality. Jurisdiction. Legal framework. Mastering. Participation. Parting. Real life. Significance. Valuable. Well-drafted. If you have trouble with any of these words, go to the show notes and read more about them there. Or drop a question in the comments. Conclusion. We've covered a lot of ground today exploring the fascinating world of cross-border dispute resolution. Now let's wrap things up by summarizing the key takeaways 
and leaving you with some parting thoughts. Throughout this episode, we've learned about the significance of international arbitration, the legal framework that governs it, the arbitration process, the importance of well-drafted arbitration clauses, and the advantages and drawbacks of this method. And the advantages and drawbacks of this method. We've discussed the critical role of choosing the right seat for arbitration, the responsibilities of arbitrators, and the process of enforcing arbitral awards worldwide. And of course, what's important for a lot of global lawyers and law students is to grasp the pivotal role that legal English plays in this field. Effective communication and understanding of complex legal terminology are essential for successful participation in international arbitration. Remember, legal English is not just a language, it's a tool that can open doors to exciting opportunities. As we conclude, I encourage you to explore international arbitration further. It's a dynamic field that offers endless possibilities for global lawyers looking to make their mark in cross-border business disputes. Don't hesitate to take the next step. And also, let's emphasize one last time the importance of mastering legal English. It's the key that unlocks the door to successful international arbitration. So keep learning, keep practicing, and keep moving. What questions do you have about today's episode? You can post those questions or any comments on the show notes. This is a great way to practice and improve your legal English skills. You can go to the website for, as in the number four, legalenglish, no spaces or dashes, dot com. For legalenglish.com. You can check out our blog articles and show notes for this episode and check out the episode quizzes. It'd be fantastic if you could subscribe and give us a review. If you could leave us five stars and a nice comment, it would really help the algorithm and other people to find our podcast. If you leave a great review, I might even read it on the air. So start writing. The Four Legal English Podcast is adjourned. Don't miss the next docket call. <laughs>